Hello everyone and welcome to my podcast. My name is Michaela Rogers and this is a place where I share my thoughts on lifestyle, mental health and much more. So if that's something you're interested in, then subscribe and follow me on Instagram at MichaelaMUA underscore X for updates. So today's topic is body positivity and I wanted to talk on this because there's a lot of debate in the media about whether this is helping people in the long term. When Tess Holliday, a plus-size model, was on the cover of Cosmopolitan, people were divided because on one hand, she's showing people of a larger size that you should be confident and comfortable in your skin. To be slim isn't the be-all and end-all, and you shouldn't feel ashamed for your size. This is a sentiment I wholly agree with. I don't think anyone should feel ashamed of themselves, and I would condemn people who ridicule, shame, or criticise those who are larger. Because whether they have a a medical condition or just have a larger appetite, it's none of your business. I think a lot of the time, people tear other people down because they feel bad about themselves or want to feel important or powerful by pointing out the flaws of other people. If you don't know them and it's not affecting your life, why does it matter? What people have to say about strangers says more about them than it does about the person they're criticising. On the other hand, whilst I believe that people shouldn't be ashamed for their weight, or their appearance. Unless you have a serious medical condition, weight is controllable. If you eat less and you move more, you lose weight. If you eat more and you move less, you gain weight. If your diet stays consistent, then you remain the weight you are. That's just logic. It's also known that being very overweight puts you at a higher risk of health complications such as heart disease, type 2 diabetes, and is overall an unhealthy way to be. However, it's on the individual to decide whether these risks are threatening to them. I know plenty of people who smoke who fully know the the long-term consequences of the habit, but they still buy them because that's a choice that they've made. No disturbing image or shocking statistic is going to stop them from getting their nicotine kick. And it's the same with people who are overweight or obese. At the end of the day, people can preach about what is healthy and what is not, but ultimately it's on that individual to make healthier choices as it affects them and their family. However, in an ideal world where addiction wasn't as hard to beat, everyone would lead healthy lifestyles, but it's not, so we don't. The wider issue of Tess Holiday's cover is whether or not she was promoting obesity and that this promotion runs the risk of higher levels of obesity. Let's say hypothetically you're a fairly he- healthy person of an average weight viewing that cover. I think it's very unlikely that that person would then aspire to be that weight. This is because it's so ingrained in our society over decades that being overweight is shameful and one magazine cover isn't going to change that. I think the only risk it may pose is that it may encourage very overweight people to decide against losing weight as their size is now in fashion or at a basic psychological level socially acceptable. I think normalising obesity, not so much being overweight, does run the risk of deterring people from change and therefore they put themselves at a higher health risk. There's also the issue, especially in the UK, with the National Health Service, that obesity and heart disease related to weight issues are draining public resources. There are two solutions to this. One, the UK government needs to fund the NHS sufficiently to cope with this increase. Two, people should be encouraged to lose weight if they are currently obese. I think personally there should be a combination of the two, but if people who are addicted to food have a means to eat fast food, sugary foods, or just unhealthy foods in general, then they will. Just like how if cigarettes are sold, people who smoke are going to buy them. You can't control other people's choices unless there's a vast programme of addiction support, because that's what it is. When people reach a stage where they're catastrophically damaging their body and they can't go without certain foods, then that's an addiction. If the government doesn't want to pay to help obesity when they need medical attention, then they need to fix the problem at its root. 
However, we live in a capitalist society where businesses profit off people's desires and cravings. So to really tackle the root of the problem on a massive scale, there'll be economic fallout due to the huge vast food industry, the restaurant industry and other companies that benefit from people's poor diet choices. Also, if an obese person has been paying tax for the last 20 years, then I don't see a problem with them using the NHS because that is a service that they have contributed to. For decades, I think it's someone's individual responsibility to maintain their health. But if the government isn't going to seriously intervene on rising trends of obesity, whether that's with extra NHS funding or weight loss programmes, then people who are obese should be able to use the NHS without criticism. They're a product of a capitalist system that partly relies on their money to fuel the economy. But as soon as there are negative consequences of that, such as ill health, everyone jumps on the bandwagon and criticises them for daring to be fat. Anyways, back to my point. I don't think obesity should be normalised, as when things are validated by society, people shame lessons and gives people the psychological relief from the pressure to lose weight. I think in some cases, people lose weight to fit in or to receive validation, but forget that ultimately they're doing it for themselves and themselves only. I think we need to separate the relationship between normalisation and shame. I think we shouldn't normalise obesity, but at the same time, I don't think we should shame people who are. Can those two ideas coexist? If we go back to the smoking analogy, smoking is becoming less and less normalised. For years now, you can't smoke indoors in public places. In some places, you can't smoke outside. The products can't legally be shown in shops. So there is a cultural rejection, at least in the UK, of smoking. However, if you have a friend who smokes, they know the risks the habit poses to them, but they're not crippled by shame. And you may mention quitting to them, but after a few weeks, you probably don't mention it and life goes on. They smoke, you don't, end of story. However, with weight, there is so much shame attached with the invalidation of it in society. Even myself, who's fairly average in size, I wouldn't say I'm slim. I have pockets of fat here and there. I have cellulite. I'm not all that comfortable sporting a crop top. I have a few stretch marks here and there and have been, at times in my life, ashamed of these imperfections, even though my my BMI is technically normal and healthy. And whilst I don't think obesity should be normalised, I do think having a normal body should be. Most of us have a few roles, cellulite or stretch marks. If you're a little overweight, you shouldn't be shamed for it. I'm glad to see that the times are changing. I see more and more plus-size models who, quite frankly, most of the time just have normal bodies who simply don't subscribe to the standards seen on social media and magazines. Equally, we shouldn't tear people down who adhere to those beauty standards, willingly or not, because with this movement of body positivity, artists like Megan Trainer and Lizzo have in their lyrics criticised skinny bitches and skinny hoes. At the end of the day, you can be a bitch if you're skinny or fat. Trust me, I've experienced both. I don't subscribe to the idea that if you're slim, with no infections, then you must be a bitch, because people are more nuanced than that. And I think women demonising slimmer people, especially slimmer women, just comes across to me like projecting insecurities. And if someone is generally content in themselves then why do they feel the need to tear other people down? Does there exist slim women who judge bigger women? Yes, absolutely. Is that a universal truth? No. I think as women, we need to stop tearing each other down. I'm sure similar things happen amongst men in gyms with the posing and preening they do in front of the mirrors. I I don't think it's... (laughs) Excuse me. I don't think this is a solely woman issue, but speaking as a woman, we see the beauty standards of the Kardashians with their Instagram bodies and Instagram makeup. It seems like the standards of beauty just go up and up constantly. 
do you have the right clothes? Do you have the right hair? Do you have the right nails? We're going around like headless chickens spending our money on these trends and fads. And don't get me wrong, I love getting my hair done and my nails done, but I notice that the the expectation to follow these trends is strong. Beauty standards will always exist, but what we can do is not buy into these narratives and judge other women or put them down because of inbuilt insecurities. I think relentless social media posts and reality TV like Love Island make young women more insecure and they encourage this comparison game. I know as an individual, I actively and consciously detach from these ideas because if I didn't, I'd be horrible. I'd be constantly trying to keep up with trends, constantly checking my nails, checking my hair, comparing myself all the time, seeing all other women as a threat. It's a pathetic existence. And yes, I love makeup and there's nothing wrong with being passionate about beauty or feminine things. It's when standards and expectations become overwhelming and a motivator of behaviour is when it becomes a problem. And it's not just a young woman issue. I'm sure it happens in male circles and even mum rivalry happens apparently. I think the crux of it is we need to stop judging other people and make ourselves feel better just to be kind. Sorry, stop judging other people to make ourselves feel better just to be kind. I think what Jade Holiday, Megan Trainer, and Lizzo all have in common, however, is that they cheer people on who are a bit bigger than average. They let them know that they're not the only one and that being big doesn't mean you should hate your body. You can be bigger and be attractive and sexy. I admire these people for being so bold and making millions of young people feel better about themselves. I too have benefited from their positive sentiments because although the odd lyric or two is a bit questionable, I think they genuinely have good intentions of lifting people up rather than tearing people down. People who are chronically overweight are more likely to experience mental health issues due to the shame society puts upon them and I truly admire these women for stepping out and beginning the change of how we think about weight, attractiveness and beauty and body standards. Another avenue of body positivity is with skin problems such as acne, psoriasis and eczema. As someone who struggled with acne over the years, I know the anxiety and the self-hatred associated with these issues. As with weight, on reality TV shows, we are rarely shown people with skin problems which are so common. If they complain about acne, they've got a tiny pimple on their nose, and then there's me with a raging hormonal acne, just like, oh, you think that's bad? I'm not saying that wasn't annoying for her in that specific instance, but one pimple on their nose is seen as super noticeable and embarrassing. What does that say to those who have severe skin problems? That they should be crippling ashamed. That's what it says. At my my worst moments of anger and exasperation with my skin at around age 14 i remember this one time i used a pumice stone to scrub my face do not do that my face was red and raw as you'd expect after that and i made it worse but the thing is i knew it wasn't a good idea i knew the likely outcome of that but i was angry at my own face it was a self-destructive act the thing is that your face is a huge part of your identity it's how people remember you and recognize you if that's marked with imperfection then it crushes your self-esteem i remember when i was around 16 when my acne started to lessen a bit i felt so much better about myself and i felt like i could actually look people in the eye confidently without those intruding thoughts of can they see my acne what do they think oh my god i'm so ugly I think especially when you're young and you're discovering who you are, puberty can be such a bitch because for me, having acne stored my confidence and years later, I was playing catch up to my peers. In recent years, my acne came back quite badly and this time round, I was better at covering it, but I knew I was st- it was still noticeable and I got to a point where I couldn't leave the house without makeup and I would only let select people see me barefaced. Even then, I would I'd feel ashamed. When I first started seeing my boyfriend, I would sleep in my makeup. Um, skincare, <laughs> skincare, a skincare sin, I know. So, 
so that at least in the morning hours I would have some coverage and then I would get up and take my makeup to the bathroom and reapply after my shower. I knew I was self-conscious and it's bloody awful to feel that way. There were occasions where I couldn't cover some areas and I was anxiety inducing. Today my acne has calmed down considerably and if I get a flare up I try not to beat myself up as much because I noticed when I saw other people with acne I wasn't judgmental. I saw it but I didn't criticise them for it because I recognised it as something common that the best of us experience from time to time. Maybe it's because of my past experiences that I wasn't judgmental or maybe I'm just a decent human being. I came to the realisation that if anyone is genuinely judging you and criticising you for something you can't control, and no, it's not my diet for the last time, then they're not worth your attention or your time. Like I said earlier on, what people have to say about other people says more about them than it does about you. Nowadays, I have scarring and some redness, but I don't feel the need to wear makeup every day, and if I have a flare-up, I become very aware of the kinds of thoughts I'm having to myself and stop myself in my tracks if I become too negative. I think a big part of my passion for makeup is how it can make you feel, and you can have control about how you express yourself rather than being at the whim of hormonal patterns. I'm so happy to see so many accounts on Instagram normalising skin conditions or documenting their journeys. If I had seen that when I was younger, it would have made me feel like I wasn't alone and that it's more normal than I thought, because it is. So what can we do to feel more positive about our bodies and faces? One of the major triggers for people who struggle with their weight is going into store dressing rooms to try and close. First of all, you have about square metres of space to look in the mirror. It's not enough, and you know if you were at home, you would stand far back from the mirror to see a full length of your body. There are full length mirrors in closed doors, but if you're already the kind of person who is conscious about your body, you may feel you may feel uncomfortable doing um, stepping out and using these. Also, in these cubicles, the lighting is really harsh, and there are mirrors at all angles, which make you think, is that what I look like from behind? Um... Covid has meant that fitting rooms are unavailable, which I think, for those who are more sensitive about how clothes fit on their body, my solution is very apt. My solution to this shopping nightmare would be to buy the clothes you're interested in and then try them on at home, because you're completely in your own space. You have as much room as you need, you can control the lighting and control the angle of the mirror. Anything you don't like, you can always return. I think this is a good step for people who are uncomfortable trying things on in changing rooms because the harsh lighting and mirrors at every angle highlight every perceived flaw you have and can make you feel worse about yourself. I think as well, having a friend or family member on hand when you try on these clothes, um, because with them there, if you begin to feel negatively, then you can focus on every flaw and magnify it, when in reality you look better than what your thoughts are telling you. A close friend or family member can reassure you if you're doubtful, and they know you well enough to say if something isn't flattering, because, you know, I think when you're closer to someone, you know, you can say if something's wrong. I think if you're not as close, you may feel a bit more uncomfortable. I know I find that. I think if I'm not as close to someone, then I don't feel like I can say something. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so you won't come across as horrible. In terms of weight loss itself, here are some tips for maintaining a healthy attitude during your diet or weight loss plan. Firstly, don't weigh yourself every day because this leads to obsessive habits and the reality is that when you're first losing weight, your weight fluctuates every single day. So in a week, it's hard to see a pattern. If you do have a weight goal in mind, I'd recommend weighing yourself every fortnight and sticking to that because you don't want to get caught up in all the numbers, but this way you can still track your progress. I would also focus your lifestyle and diet plan on being healthier. I wouldn't go cold turkey on anything. Still have carbs, have a glass of wine on a Saturday night, everything in moderation, right? The thing is, when we go cold turkey, that isn't sustainable. At some point, you're going to crack and overcompensate. You're better off having a little something every now and then, rather than a lot of something in one sitting. Next, have a plan. 
write down the food you want to avoid and food you want to include more of. A plan will give you the clarity and it's something to refer to. It doesn't have to be elaborate, but planning your meals and scheduling time in your day to exercise means that you're more likely to do it. Rather than saying to yourself, yeah, I'll probably go for a run or something tomorrow, schedule it in so you have no excuses to make to yourself. In your diet plan, focus on eating healthier and living a better lifestyle. Don't focus on starving yourself or reaching a certain weight. If you live healthily, your body will reflect that. Also remember that this is something that isn't going to change overnight. Accept that this is a lifestyle endeavour that is going to take months for you to see or feel a visible difference. And don't compare yourself to friends who are also dieting because they'll probably tell you the best parts of their diet and fail to tell you about the chocolate bar they secretly ate on a Friday night. Um, also, I'd recommend calorie counting because this way you can track whether you're creating calorie deficit. I read up on some of James Smith's advice, I'm not sure if you're aware, but Google him. Um, and I agree when he says tracking calories is essential to weight loss, because like I said earlier, if you eat less and move more, then you will lose weight. If you don't like calorie counting, then at least keep a food diary. And be honest, be honest with yourself. Don't be ashamed if you slip up and eat something you shouldn't. The important thing is that you keep going with your plan in the next days and weeks. Slip ups are going to happen. There's no point in beating yourself up for it. Now, in terms of acne, to maintain healthy mental mental health, Here's what I'd recommend from my own experience. If your acne is severe and has been going on for three months plus, go to your GP because most likely there is something going on inside your body which is causing this. For me, I was first prescribed an antibacterial facial product and antibiotics along with this. These didn't work. I saw no noticeable difference and around this time I began getting very, very painful and heavy periods and so I went to my GP the next time and I explained this and I was placed on the contraceptive pill which helped my period issues and my skin was clear within a couple of months. I was quite shocked to be honest at how instant the change was and then it was confirmed to me that it was related to my menstrual cycle. So yes, go to your GP because your acne could be related to hormonal issues, certain foods you eat may cause inflammation and in some cases your gut bacteria funnily enough can cause inflammation in the skin. There are so many reasons why you may be breaking out so if it is persistent, then definitely go to your GP. If your acne is causing you to feel depressed or anxious, <clears throat> you can also explain that to your doctor and they may be able, may be able to book you in to see a counsellor or recommend some resources for you. My second advice would be to revise your skincare routine. When I was younger, I used alcohol-based products. Oil-free was my go-to, but just because your skin's oily doesn't mean that you should avoid oil completely. Normally when you're skin is oily it's because your skin needs hydration so your body's overcompensating for that and I remember I avoided oil problems problems I avoided oil products because I thought they'd make my skin more oily and make more acne but I think the problem there was hydration and oil can help with hydration but go for hydrating products if you have oily skin um when I was younger, I used Clearasil and Clean and Clear. And knowing what I know now, I wouldn't have used these. I would have done things so much differently because Clearasil and like, I remember the blackhead cleanser slash exfoliator, things that ingredients are so harsh. And I think when your skin is breaking out, you think you need something really harsh to tackle that harsh problem. When in actuality, your skin needs gentle products to heal the inflammation rather than adding inflammation to more inflammation and I hope that makes sense um yeah so use gentle cleansers and toners on your skin at the end of the day if your skin is inflamed and irritated like I said irritating products make it work worse go for gel product go for gel based moisturizers and if you have cystic acne like I did then I would recommend benzoyl peroxide start off with a low percentage and then build it up 
This product changed the game for me. It minimised inflammation and helped with sebum, sebum control massively. Things to remember with that. It does have peroxide in it. It is safe to use in the skin. I just want to make that clear. I was like, oh my god, it's bleach. But it did stain my bed, my bedding. So just be careful after you use it. I know at night, you know, when you put your skincare on and you want to go to bed. But if if it's still like on your skin and you go to bed, it may stain your bed clothes. So be careful with that. <laughs> the next thing I would say is to know what you say to yourself about your skin and your appearance. Be mindful of how you're comparing your skin to others and how that has a negative impact on your mental health. While mindfulness won't cure acne, it will help to alleviate those negative thoughts. And once you recognise a pattern of negative thinking, you can actively change the thoughts that you have. Acne is a temporary thing in your life. It's not forever and it doesn't determine your worth as a human being. You're not ugly. Don't be ashamed of your acne because you're so much more than that. The last thing I would say is to look for communities online or maybe you have friends who suffer with acne. Reach out to these groups and look at what helps them or see if they have tips and tricks that you haven't tried before. I think realising that you're not the only person who feels a certain way can make you feel a whole lot better. To tie things up today, whether it's weight or skin or maybe you've got a big nose or something, there is no reason for you to feel like you're not enough because believe me, you are. There are a lot of images and messages on social media and the media as a whole that subconsciously tell us how we should look and shames us when we don't comply to these ideals, either willingly or unwillingly. But if I were to leave you with one resounding message is that you don't need to be so hard on yourself and people aren't judging you as harshly as you think. Of course, try to live a healthy life, but don't get bogged down if you can't lose five pounds. Equally, don't beat yourself up for a breakout that appeared all of a sudden. Take note of the thoughts you tell yourself, be kind to yourself and be kind to others. Thank you for listening and if you'd like to see updates about my next podcast or have any suggestions on topics then don't hesitate to follow me on Instagram at MichaelaMUA underscore X. If you want to ask me any questions or would like further advice about the topics I've raised today don't hesitate to email me via the email provided on my Instagram. Alright, thank you and I'll catch you later.